You're listening to Red Leg Nation Radio, the official podcast of RedLegNation.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another thrilling edition of the Red Leg Nation Radio podcast. Uh, this is your host, Chad Dotson. Uh, welcome to the season preview edition. Joining us, uh, as he often does, fellow editor at RedLegNation.com, Bill Lack. You doing all right today, Bill? Yeah, I'm doing okay. I'm, I'm wearing my, my black armband for Matt Clinker being at AA instead of AAA. Yeah, for those of you who uh, haven't haven't seen the news at uh, RedLegNation.com, we've got a couple of spotlight uh, players, some minor league guys that write posts for us at Red Leg Nation, sort of keep us updated on what's going on in their fight to make, uh, to make it to the big leagues. And, and Matt Clinker is one of those guys and had a great year last year. And, of course, he was uh, sent to double-A to start the season the other day, double-A Carolina. And I, I know you've talked to him, uh, Bill. Um, and, and, of course, Matt wrote a post at RedLegNation.com that you, everyone needs to go check out about his feelings and his thoughts on the season. And uh, uh, you already sort of given us a hint as to your thoughts, but do you want to delve into that a little bit more, Bill? Well, I mean, I'm not upset about it. I'm disappointed. I mean, you look at the the, the talent in the pitching rotation, and, and, you know, I think there were pretty, you know, there were odds on chance that this was going to happen. There's a lot of starting talent at the AAA level, and Matt's not as high a draft picker, you know, doesn't have much money invested as some of these other guys, and that always comes into it a little bit. Um, he's just, you know, he's going to be the opening day starter, apparently down in Carolina. He just down there does his job, and hopefully, you know, he'll get a chance to be back up in Louisville real shortly. Yeah, I think that's the key. You'd think he'd be the first option, and, and things are going to happen uh, pretty soon, probably with uh, with the pitching in this organization. So we'll see. Uh, wish wish Matt the best of luck. We're all cheering for him, and uh, and hopefully, going to try to see if we can't get down to watch him uh, in Carolina. We're definitely going to get down uh, when he's in Louisville to check him out. Maybe try to do a, a Red Leg Nation uh, outing uh, for at least, if not for one of his starts, at least for one of the games while he's in uh, Louisville. Absolutely. All right. Well, as I said a moment ago, we're going to try to do a season preview today. Uh, the 2010 season is already upon us. If you're like me, you're just uh, giddy with anticipation. I can't wait. I, I, the, the winter has been long and hard and cold, and I'm just barely unthawing now. But uh, how ready are you for this uh, season, Bill? I'm I'm more excited to watch this team than I have been in quite a while. Uh, you know, I think this team has some definite shortcomings, but I, I think it's the best product they've put on the field in quite a while. Yeah, you talked with uh, Chris Welsh for last week's pro- uh, podcast. Chris Welsh, of course, Reds television broadcaster. And he made a, a statement that uh, best team he's seen in 17 years, something like that. I know that Rob Butcher, the media guy for the Reds, came out uh, <laughs> came out yesterday and was said that basically it's the best team he's seen in Cincinnati. That's some. I don't know if they're trying to get us uh, excited to buy some tickets or what, but uh, it's working. Well, the, the difference between Rob Butcher and Chris Welsh is Chris doesn't work for the ball club. You know, he works for Fox Sports. So, I mean, he's going to tell you, as, as we know from when the times Chris has talked to us, he tells us what he thinks. And uh, for him to say he's very excited about this team, I, I think says a lot, you know. Um, but, you know, I think Chris sees the same things we see. You know, is this team going to be able to score enough runs to, to be real competitive? Yeah, I think that's going to be the key. And I still, I, I think we've talked about it several times. I think the offense is going to be a little better, uh, but that's where I'm worried about. Are we going to have enough offense? We'll see. Um, lots of moves made 
to cut the roster down. We'll go ahead and delve right into those. Of course, the most, uh, the one that most people were watching the most was that for the fifth starter role with the Reds. And of course, Mike Leak in uh, sort of a surprise. Nobody expected this at the beginning of the spring. Mike Leak wins that fifth starter spot. How surprised were you? I was real surprised, and I still am, and I'm, I'm not convinced it was the right move. But, um, you know, I think it, 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 it appears apparent to me that, that this team made their decisions in their last cuts to bring the best 25 guys they think that are playing right now to, to Cincinnati for opening day. Uh, and you can't argue with that with that thinking, you know, in this decision. You know, Leak pitched very, very, very well in spring training. Um, I mean, but in the long-term health of the, the the organization, is it the right move? I don't know. You're having to put him on the 40-man ahead of time. You're, you know, ahead of schedule. You know, he's never pitched in the minor leagues. He's never pitched in a five-man rotation. You know, there's a lot of questions. But, you know, hopefully the Reds have considered all those options and, and decided this was the best idea. Yeah, and it's something I was going to get into later a little bit. I, I did disagree with at least one of the moves the Reds made to cut down the roster, but by and large, you know, I'm pretty satisfied with the decisions that Walt Jockety, as the general manager, uh, has been making, and, and sort of, I don't know if I, I trust him a little more maybe than uh, than past management teams in Cincinnati. Um, I think you're right. I think that uh, they really, in a couple of their moves, in terms of cutting bait on uh, at least one guy who they owe a lot of money to. Um, Two, if you include uh, Willie Tavares from uh, recently, um, they're showing they're trying to put the best product, what they feel is the best product on the field, and I think that's where uh, why they chose Mike Leak here. Leak, I, I I agree with the decision. I think it was a, a good move. I, I thought all along, frankly, regardless of the spring performance, I thought they were going to take Matt Maloney uh, for that fifth spot. He was a left-hander. He you know had a little bit of a success with him last year. Had some success in the organization, and I just didn't think that they would. Number one, want to rush Travis Wood. Number two, I didn't think they'd want to rush Mike Leake. Uh, I thought they'd want to get him some time in the minor league. I think there's only been 20 other guys in the history of, since the draft started that c- came straight to uh, the big leagues. I think that's what I read. But Leake has looked so good this spring. He uh, he, he works. Uh, he he moves moves the ball all around, changes speeds. Uh, he's just very, very mature, and you know, a lot of that comes from being a college guy from a big-time college program and pitching in the College World Series. And I mean, it's nothing like what he's getting ready to face, but it's uh, it's it's something. It's uh, it's uh, he, he impressed everyone, I think, with his maturity uh, from day one. Um, and and I I think it's the right decision. Uh, I like the idea. It may blow up in their faces, and, and I'll have to say, well, you know, I can't criticize them too much for it because I think they're doing the right thing. But I don't think I would have brought Travis Wood at this time. He, you know, his walk rate was not great uh, this spring, you know, and, and last year. You know, he, he needs to improve that a little bit, but he's he's on the fast track. He'll be here sooner rather than later. And then when the back problems cropped up with Araldus Chapman, I think it was pretty clear from that point there was no way he was going to make the roster, despite all the early Chapmania. He'll be here soon enough. Um, but, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, you're talking about three guys there, and if you four, if you include Maloney, pretty good uh, problem to have choosing from those four. Yeah, you know, dealing with the leak situation, I wonder, and this is something that just thought that just occurred to me. He pitched this well in Arizona, where they say that you know pitching usually struggles and that it's an offensive area, yada yada yada. But I wonder if his pitching at Arizona State in college gave him an advantage if, 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 over some of these guys that had never trained in Arizona before. I, I mean, I have no idea. It's just something that occurred to me. 
Yeah, that's a possibility. I mean, you know, a lot was made out of the fact that he was pitching down the road from where he pitched in his college years. Uh, you know, as I recall, the, uh, you know, pitching in Arizona, they talk about your breaking ball, not, uh, not moving as much, not breaking as much. If it's going to break more, if he's going to have more movement on his pitches when he gets, uh, away from Arizona, uh, you know, maybe that's a good thing. Who knows? I will, I, you know, it's our first year out in Arizona, so I don't know how we can, you know, assess or gauge the difference uh, between there, but he certainly has plenty of experience out in Arizona, and he acted like, and maybe that's part of the reason why he acted so comfortable from day one in spring training. He's out there, a lot of fans out there that uh, watched him at uh, Arizona State. So, I don't know. I don't know what to expect from him. No, yeah, if it had been my decision, I, I disagree with you. I would have, I would have brought Wood for for the number five at least to start the season to see how it went. I think you got a lot of questions now, you know, is, you know, they talked about moving Maloney to the bullpen. Do they continue that idea with him in Louisville or does he in the rotation down there? You know, they said the same thing about Justin Lair. You know, we're going to work him in the bullpen. Well, now he's in Louisville. Is he still going to be in the bullpen or is he going to be in the rotation? The other thing that, that was brought up to me in, in a conversation is, is I was told that Chapman has never thrown a hundred innings in a season. And that's a concern to me if they're going to start him. Because, I mean, what do you do? Do you shut him down if he, you know, when he gets to 120 or 130? You know, how do they, you know, I, I'd be curious to know what their, what their plan is for that kid's arm. Yeah, I think that's a very important point. And I'm sure they've got a plan. That has to be something they've talked about. Maybe they're still talking about it, haven't decided yet. Because you're, you're going to send him down to Louisville to start. You're going to hopefully want to bring him up to Cincinnati soon. What if he, what if you're in the race in August and he's already thrown a ton of innings? You know, I, I don't know if you, Keep him in extended spring training right now and, uh, you know, let him get a sort of a later start on the season. Make sure he's healthy. I, I don't know what you do to keep his numbers down. If you pitch him in the bullpen, uh, at some point in the season, uh, try to keep his innings down. I, I don't know. Those are tough questions that, uh, the Reds have to answer. I don't know the answer to them. And, uh, that's why I'm not getting, uh, paid the big bucks from the Reds to make those decisions. But it was going to be. Say, that's why Walt Jockerty and Terry Reynolds make a lot more money than we do doing right. this. That's right, and so uh, you know we sort of have to rely on their best judgment. But with a, an asset that they've invested so much in, um, you've got to think they're going to be very careful uh, with young Aroldis. Yeah, and and you know this fifth spot in the rotation is is has probably gotten more press than anything in spring training. And let's be honest, in the, in the full scheme of the season, it's not nearly as important as those other four guys. I mean, if Aaron Horan comes out and is horrible, that number five spot ain't going to pull you out of the dumper. No, no, absolutely not. Um, really the, the biggest thing about Chapman is uh, for this year, putting butts in the seats when he comes to Cincinnati and, uh, you know, seeing whether we've got a potential number one down the road. You're right. I think we've got to have Aaron Horan. I think uh, Homer Bailey has got to step up and do uh, what he was going to do, uh, what we all hope he's going to do. Uh, this year, I think he's got to have a good year, and we'll sort of transition now into, I guess, uh, let's just talk about the rotation as a whole since you've uh, mentioned that. Um, uh, one final point, though, you mentioned about uh, Chapman's innings. I think it is interesting to note that Mike Leake th- threw over 160, 170 innings somewhere around there last year. Um, when you include uh, pitching in college, plus College World Series, plus Arizona Fall League, so they could bump him up a little bit and you know get up to 180, 190 innings probably, and uh, you think would be safe in terms of. Uh, in terms of his ability to handle that workload. So that's an interesting uh, point. I'm not sure how many Travis Wood threw last year. I have to check that out. But anyway, this starting rotation has the makings of being, I think, the best starting rotation, uh, certainly at least in, what, 
25 years, uh, something a like that? A long time. A long, long time. I mean, I, I, I couldn't put a number on it off the top of my head, but it's, it's, it's the best rotation they've had in a long time. When you look at, uh, well, you got Aaron Harang and, and Bronson Arroyo, sort of the, the old guard coming in. Wood, Wood threw about 170 innings last year. There you go. So less of a concern with those two guys. Um, and so it, you got the, those two plus Chapman plus Maloney. I don't know. Maybe they'll, uh, I don't know how they'll split all that up. That's going to be something to watch, um, with respect to Chapman's arm. And, and, and then they say Chapman, you know, he throws hard and there's always stress on your arm when you throw that hard. Everyone says that, you know, he, de- he doesn't have a high stress motion. It's very smooth yeah. delivery. Uh, so hopefully that'll help. Uh, that's where you're you got to the scouts. There's a lot of torque on your shoulder and your elbow, no matter how you're throwing it. Right. Maybe it's less than other people that throw that fast, but it's still going to be some uh, yeah. stress on you. Yeah, definitely. So we'd have to trust the scouts on the, their judgment of that one, I guess. Yeah. Um, Talking about the rotation, to me, the key of the rotation is, is how far is, is how far Bailey has come. If he's the guy we saw in the, you know, if he's anything close, I mean, it's not realistic to expect him to be the pitcher we saw in those last few starts last year. But if we can get a, a, a 3.5 to a 4 ER, ERA out of, out of Homer and get him some run support, he may be the key to this road. I think he is the key to this rotation. Uh, I think you pretty well know what you're going to get out of Bronson Arroyo. You're going to get some good ones and some bad ones, and he's going to run in streaks in both. Hopefully Cueto improves a little bit. You know, Chris, despite the results we've seen at spring training, I trust Chris Welch when he talks about pitching, and he thinks Aaron Harang is, is going to be closer to the pitcher we saw, you know, three years ago than what we've seen the last two years. Uh, you know, so I'm excited about the pitching. Yeah, me too. I think even if Harang is the same pitcher he has been the last couple of years um, or in that neighborhood, I think if Bailey takes a huge step forward like we're hoping, um, if Cueto continues to improve, uh, you know, I think and, – and Arroyo just – can used to be Arroyo. I think you still got the makings of a pretty doggone good uh, top four starters right there. Um, what do you think about the possibility? Um, and it's going to be tough to, you know, if the Reds are in the in the hunt, in the playoff hunt, it's going to be tough to trade any of those guys, I would think. Um, they're going to feel like they need the Arroyo and Harang. What do you think about maybe dealing one of those guys since they're in the last year of their contract? If, say, for example, Leak pitches well and, and, and Mike or Travis Wood goes down and uh, – has an outstanding start at uh, Louisville, and, and Chapman's throwing really well. Uh, what do you think about the possibility that maybe the Reds seeking to deal one of those guys, hopefully for a hitter, which uh, they certainly need? you think that's a possibility? I think I would think, you know, if this team seems to have as much confidence in these young pitchers as at least as, as they're giving mouth service to, I would be surprised if they aren't looking right, looking around talking to people right now. Um, they know they've got, you know, they know they've got good pitching. They know they're gonna they're gonna struggle to score runs. So if they could get a bat for a harangue, I think harangue is more likely to be traded. But he does, I don't think right now he would bring you as much as Arroyo. You know, Arroyo is going to give you 200 innings every year, no matter what, and he's going to give you some good starts. I mean, he's going to have a couple where he's hor- you know a few where he's horrible. But I think if they could trade one of those guys right now for a for a one of them for a, for a big bat, I think they'd do it today. Yeah, I mean, you've always got to pay attention to your depth in terms of your pitching in case of injuries, but I think they could, depending on how some of these young guys start to look like they're developing here in the first couple months, they all look good in the spring. I think Arroyo, you're right, has more value on the trade market. Um, 
I've become a big fan of Bronson Arroyo. I have to admit, uh, I was skeptical early on about him, but I've become a huge fan. You know, he, he does have some terrible starts. He runs in streaks, but when he's on, he's on. And at the end of the year, he's put up some numbers that uh, just about any team would like to have, uh, in the middle of their rotation. So I would think he's a pretty good bet to have some, some trade value out there. Aaron Harang, you know, I think it's going to be dependent on whether he gets off to a, a good start. If he gets off to a good start, people around baseball know Aaron Harang. They know uh, that he's, uh, you know, what he's capable of doing. If he gets off to a good start and starts to look like the old Aaron Harang, I think there will be teams lining up for a shot at uh, at getting him. Uh, you know, can you imagine a team like the Yankees or uh, one of these uh, teams that are in contention um, having Aaron Harang? Uh, you know, in the middle of their rotation, the fourth starter in the rotation or something like that, third starter, um, a healthy Aaron Harang throwing like we know Aaron Harang can, I think he could have some value. Uh, sentimentally, you know, I don't like the thoughts that, you know, Harang has been the workhorse for some pretty bad teams. And now the Reds are sort of on the verge of maybe competing a little bit. I hate to see him be uh, tossed aside. You know, I'd like to see him enjoy some of the success with the Reds, but Look, you know, you gotta, you gotta do what you think's best for the organization and, and you sort of gotta trust Walt Jockety on that point. Um, but sentimentally, I, you know, uh, I'm one of those, uh, Chris Garber, one of our other, uh, editors at Red Lake Nation says I'm too gooey about baseball, you know, one of these field of dreams types, you know. Uh, but I, I, I hate the idea that Harang's not gonna be here to enjoy some of the success if and when it comes here in the next little bit. Yeah, I know what you're saying, but he's not one of the guys that I developed, have developed an emotional attachment to, you know, um, I like Harang, but if we could trade him for big bat in left field, bye. No, I'd, I'd do it too. I'd do it in a minute. I, I'd feel bad about it, but I, I would, I'd drive I would to hesitate. the airport, you know? <laughs> oh, um, yeah, yeah, but, no, but, absolutely. But, you know, when we're talking about, you know, these prospective deals, the one thing I don't want this team to do, do is, is trade their young pitching depth. We, I mean, we did that to, to bring Roland over and, you know, Almost universally in the blog community, anyway, that that trade was hated. Yeah, uh, and I still hate it. But we'll I, talk a little bit more about Scott Rowland when we get into the infield. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm with you on that. Just briefly, I'm with you. Uh, I like Scott Rowland. I like having him on the team, but I did not like that deal. I still don't like it. Uh, haven't changed my mind on it. Um, so uh, you know, Homer Bailey, we're talking about him. He needs to really take a big step forward. Uh, we've talked about him in past podcasts as well. Uh, what are the chances of him doing that? I feel pretty good. Uh, you know, after watching this spring, it seems like he's just sort of, you know, he's keeping on, keeping on, as they say. You know, he uh, going about his business, working hard, uh, pitching well. Um, I he's just such a different guy from all accounts than he was two years ago. It's just astounding uh, how much he's matured, and uh, and I'm I'm hoping this is going to be the year we're finally going to start to see the benefits of that. Uh, yeah, so I mean, some kids grow up all of a sudden. Some of them grow up gradually, and I think Homer, you know, finally figured it out from from all, you know, accounts. You know, if I were 21 years old and a number one draft pick, and everybody's saying I was the top pitching prospect in baseball, and you know, uh, I'm being called uh, the savior, you know, in Cincinnati, uh, doggone it, I'd be a little immature about it too. I don't know how I'd handle it. Heck, I don't know how I'd handle it right now at my age, um, which is way too old. So, I mean. You can't. You kind of sort of understand him, uh, you know, having a little bit of an ego and and thinking, you know, look, I'm doing it my way, and look where it's got me. I don't need uh, your help. So, you know, I'm. I, I have sympathy for uh, Hober Bailey's uh, being a young guy while he's young. Um, <clears throat> sit, 
similarly, you know, I hope we're going to see that Johnny Cueto, and we're seeing some reports uh, that he's starting to mature uh, in, in a similar fashion. A little bit different scenario, but, uh, you know, he's... He's learning English. He's trying to do interviews in English now. He's uh, working on his uh, conditioning more than in the past. Um, we'll see. You know, he, he still shows some signs of being a little immature, but uh, if the light clicks on for him, you know, the sky's the limit for him as well. you got two super guys there. Then you throw in Chapman. That's three potential number one, number two type starters uh, you got. Wow, what a, what a problem to have. Well, I think this is a big year for Cueto. Uh, he has no excuses this year. You know, he didn't pitch in winter ball, so he shouldn't wear out in, in the last part of the season. It's his, it's his third full year in the big leagues. You know, the light needs to come on. He, he really needs to step up this year. I think you're, I think you're going to, I think this would be fair to be called his baseline year for the rest of his career. Yeah. Uh, and, and I understand exactly what you're saying, and I agree with what you're saying, but I do want to caution some people that are going to misconstrue that, and, and some people have, have commented on my Red Leg Nation. Things like, you know, if he doesn't get it this year, he's never going to get it. Uh, you know, this is his make-or-break year in terms of uh, whether he's ever going to be a pitcher. I think people still need to be patient with him. He's a young pitcher. Uh, he can he can be inconsistent. He can struggle at times, and that doesn't mean that he's not getting it. But you're right. I think this is going to be sort of um, – we're going to sort of know what we've got now. He'll, he'll still improve, and he'll still be inconsistent uh, from this point forward. But you sort of got to get an idea of what you got. You know, third year in the big leagues – um. Yeah. No, pitch in the winter. Right. None of those excuses. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and and you know he's been told basically you know that he's one of the guys you know he's you're one of the guys that we're we're counting on. Right. So you know he has to you know take that responsibility in hand and and show that he's worthy of it. And one thing about Cueto, um, you know I, I love uh, I'm a big big Homer Bailey fan have been from day one. Uh, you and I actually have been the two of the most consistent uh, Homer Bailey fans around uh, for years now. Um, love watching Arroyo pitch. He's fun to watch pitch. You know, watch it way he moves the ball. But in terms of just sheer enjoyment of sitting down and watching a guy throw, I absolutely love watching Johnny Cueto pitch when he's on. I mean, he makes hitters look silly, kind of like when uh, Edinson Volquez. Uh, I don't know if he'll ever be the same Edinson Volquez, but before when he was on, you know, just uh, electric stuff. And so I'm hoping we're going to see a lot more of that out of Cueto this year. Yeah, I hope so. And, you know, that's something we haven't talked about because we're really sort of doing a season preview, and he's really not in the discussion. But in terms of pitching rotation going forward, we got Edinson Volquez still out there. If he's able to return uh, from uh, surgery uh, to be, you know, any kind of a starter, I don't expect him to be a number one starter ever again. But, heck, if he's a number three type starter, you know, toss him on the pile there and see what you've got. Uh, oh, absolutely. I, I just hope the Reds – and, and and this may come into the Chapman equation. You know, they're saying that he may be ready. They're talking about the second half of the year, but I think you're talking more, you know, August, September, that he would be able to, to pitch. You know, and I'm guessing. I mean, I, that's just coming straight out of my head. I don't have any information. But I, I would really hate to see him rush this kid back. But, you know, you wonder whether if Chapman's innings are up, whether they, you know, they bring Chapman back, to, or I mean, uh, Volquez back to, to fall into those Chapman innings. You know, who knows? How concerned are you that the Reds, we might get to August, the Reds are in a pennant race, you know, in a, in a fairly weak central. The Cardinals are really the only team that's uh, clearly uh, better than anybody else in the division, really. Um, Even though Sporting News picked the Cubs to win the wild card. Really? Yes. Uh, there's a reason why the Sporting News is starting to die. Um, I love the Sporting News. I shouldn't say that. I've always loved Sporting News. Long-time subscriber. But anyway... 
what happens if we get to August? The Reds are in the hunt, either in the division or for the wild card. A um, couple games out, maybe. You got Araldus Chapman. You got Edison Volquez coming back. How concerned? Uh, and you got you know young Mike Leake or Travis Wood uh, in in the rotation, depending on how things go with injuries. How concerned are you to give those guys, especially Chapman and Volquez, give them to Dusty Baker for a stretch run? It's got to be a concern. I mean, you know, they can make all the excuses they want. You know, Jockety will have to put his foot on Baker's neck. I mean, and, you know, and, and rein him in. We know that Baker will, will, will run a guy up to 130, 140 pitches, you know, high torque innings. It, it scares the hell out of me. Uh, he is not the right manager for this team. Uh, he's just not. I agree, and I think it's almost uh, assured that we're going to have a new manager next year. We'll see how that plays out, and we've talked about that before. But, you know, he, he gets a, Dusty Baker gets a bit of a bad rap uh, for, about ruining pitchers' arms. I think it, uh, people sort of, you know, reflexively uh, make those comments when, you know, there are some legitimate excuses maybe uh, for what he did. But what I know is when he was with the Cubs and when the Cubs were in the pennant race, and he had two young horses named Mark Pryor and Kerry Wood. The fact is, if you go look at their pitch counts and the number of innings that they threw down the stretch that season, he absolutely hopped on their back, uh, grabbed the whip, and tried to ride them across the playoff finish line. And I'm scared to death that you're going to get a, a Volquez come back from injury. You know, that you want to sort of take it easy with him. You're going to have Aroldis Chapman, you know, I'm scared to death what they're going to let Dusty Baker do. And, and I guess here's another situation where you got to trust Walt Jockey to say, no, you're not doing that. Um, you may have got a bad rap uh, about Wood and Pryor, but doggone it, we're not taking any chances with these guys. We've got too good an opportunity to compete over the next few years, and we need these guys. Let's don't... Uh, Let's don't risk blowing out an arm just for a you know a wild card and a, you know losing in four games in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, you know, so we'll, well see. And, 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 and the, at least in the Chapman case, there's a crap load of money involved here too. Right. So, all, like you said, all you can do is trust the jockey. He'll make the right decisions. You know, it, it, at least that he will make sure Baker makes the right decisions. Well, we'll see. Uh, you know. I'm like you. It scares me to death. It just yep. scares me to death. But uh, what are you going to do? We, we're just going to sit and watch and uh, and worry and keep our fingers crossed and bite our fingernails and uh, see what happens. But you know, it's a, on the one hand, I, you know, it'd be fun to have the Reds in a pennant race uh, at that time. So uh, that that'll be uh, that'll be something new for this organization. Any final thoughts on the rotation? Uh, you know, I feel like our starting five are, you know, the as good as uh, as many teams have out there, there aren't that many teams have a better starting five right now. So I agree with that. You know, I don't think our like our one two don't match up to the Cardinals, but our top five, I think, sure do. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And so, uh, and and the you got enough guys in that rotation and and on the verge of being in that rotation that should improve based upon their age and experience levels that you got a chance of next two three years just having an outstanding um, an outstanding. Rotation, so, so something to be excited about. Let's shift over to the bullpen uh, quickly. The bullpen, of course, had a great year last year, uh, just an outstanding season, uh, and it's the first time in a while that the Reds have really had a good, a good bullpen. Starting the season, uh, the Reds are uh, without a couple of guys that were in the bullpen for most of last year. Your buddy David Weathers is, of course, uh, looks like he's retired now. 
Um, and Jared Burton, in a bit of a surprise, although he kind of earned the demotion, um, Jared Burton was sent down in favor of Logan Andrusek, I guess is how you pronounce that. Andrusek. Uh, Andrusek. Uh, we'll be hearing a lot of that name, so no one will get too confused on that in the future. But that was one of the more surprising moves the Reds made. And that sort of goes back to what you were saying earlier about taking the best 25. Yeah. Um, and I've said this numerous times in posts. Is there's, there's nobody in this organization that has come further in a year than, than Andrusek. I mean, by all accounts, he was two weeks from being released last year in spring training. Ben Davis went home because his wife had a baby, and they kept on Drusick, and he sparkled early and ended up pitching at three different levels last year. I mean, it's it's really a great story for the kid, and I have to admit I'm shocked that that he's on the on the 25 because uh, they had to make you know I just didn't think he could pitch his way into it. Yeah, they've created themselves uh, some a situation where they're. Uh having a roster crunch because I think Jockey's trying to go with the best group. Of course, now Andrusik was on the uh, 40 man, but yeah, it's really surprising that he, uh, that they sent uh, Burton down um, because listen, I'm a huge Jared Burton fan. Uh, he's just not pitched that well. Like I love that cutter. He is. I think he's got a chance of being a cl- great closure one day, but I don't know. He sort of stumbled a little bit and you're right. We talk about our buddy, uh, Matt Klinker, uh, who, you know, We'd like to argue made the biggest strides last year we made in the organization. He was sort of off the radar and then ended up uh, pitching very well in AAA by the end of the year. But uh, but Logan Andrasek, my goodness, uh, he was – yeah, you're right. Not only off the radar, but just about to have a serious setback in, in terms of his hunt for a career. Um, looked like he may probably never make the major leagues. He's got to be thinking that in the back of his head. And then now, a year later, he's on the opening day roster for the Cincinnati Reds, who, you know, the Reds have been – terrible for the last nine years but the bullpen was a pretty tough one to crack you would think and then he cracked it um and pitched well this spring i'm excited to see what he does uh this year i hope i hope it's not too much for him yeah i'm curious it'll be interesting to see how, how dusty uses him uh he's a big kid he's six eight um so he thinks that's a big advantage to him because the ball you know he's got a real high release point i think they i think i've read um I remember seeing him at Dayton, and he was, needless to say, not real impressive, but he really got his feet under him after that. Uh, I think this is just a great story. This kid's got to be waking up and pinching himself in the morning. Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I look forward to reading the inevitable profiles of him in the first week uh, in the uh, Inquirer or on uh, Reds.com. You know, the, the beat writers are going to be having a, a field day with his stories. I look forward to uh, reading that. And... Uh, it's, it's gonna be fun to watch him. I, I wish him all the all the best. You know, six foot, six feet, eight inches tall. He's a big kid. Uh, you know, just an interesting, interesting guy. Aaron Harang's no longer the tallest guy on the staff now. Nope. The other thing that's interesting is Burton got an extension. Was it last year? I think, and still got sent to the minors. So that that, that kind of tells you that this team is thinking that believes they can compete. You know, they're not afraid to tick a guy off that they got under contract. Right. Well, y- yes, I agree with that. But on the other hand, excuse me, I, Burton has not pitched particularly well, but why in the name of all that is good and pure do you keep Mike Lincoln and not Jared Burton? Uh, you know, uh, we, we, we've praised Walt Jockey for cutting bait on guys, uh, even if it meant uh, eating their contract. How does Mike Lincoln help this team? I don't know, but the, I mean, the only thing I can say in that regard is that, that Jockety's the one that gave him the two-year deal. I, that's the only thing I can think of. You know, he doesn't want to admit that it was a mistake. 
I think you have to believe that Mike Lincoln's on a very short leash, though. You know, if he comes out and pitches horrible in April, my guess is he isn't here by May 1st. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if when Burton got the news uh, that he was being sent down, and I, I can only imagine how he took it because last year when they uh, sent him down, he did not take it well at all. Um, and I don't blame him, but you know, you gotta you gotta produce. But I gotta think that it was sort of a wink, and you look, you know, there's a spot here. Maybe, maybe, the unsaid, uh, the unsaid portion of which was, uh, we're talking about Mike Lincoln. But, yeah, there's, there's a spot here. You go down and perform well, you're going to be right back here. And, uh, so, you know, I, I hope that happens. Whether it's Burton or someone else coming up, I just don't see Lincoln being able to help this team. You know, he's going to be sort of a mop-up guy, I guess. Um, and, you know, you need those guys, but I'd rather have somebody that has a little bit of talent. Uh, Lincoln tries as hard as he can, and, and he seems like a great guy by all accounts, but, I don't know that he uh, is one of the best 25 guys the Reds could have put on the roster. No, but, you know, again, you know, we always know the contracts and all that other stuff come into it. So hopefully the, the key is if he's not helping them, that they don't let him to become an anchor on the bullpen. You know, yeah. I'm not going to spend too much time worrying about the, the 11th or 12th guy on the staff, but I'd still like them to make the right decision on that 11th or 12th man on the staff. Yeah, keeping Mike Lincoln's not going to be the difference between the Reds. Uh, Making the playoffs the not. Right. Yeah, and, and we do have a tendency to kind of overanalyze some of these things. But if you're talking about the best, uh, taking the best pitching staff, I'm not sure Mike Lincoln actually qualifies. But, listen, we don't have to deal with the business ramifications, and we don't have to deal with the money and the personalities that they have to deal with. So um, we'll see how they, where they cut you bait know, on him. But the thing is, I and mean, you're right, we don't. But I think we as fans and us, you know, on the blog and when we comment and those kinds of things, I think we, we are unrealistic a lot of times because we act we, we discount how important those factors are. And, and, you know, we don't know what kind of a guy Mike Lincoln is. We don't know what they believe he brings to the clubhouse. And, and I, you know, I, I can't judge that. I've never been in a major league clubhouse in my life, probably never will be. Um, we don't know what the owner has said about, you know, I've written off, I'm writing off Miles' numbers. I'm not writing off anymore. You know, we just don't know those things. All we say is, well, you know, God, you know, he's not very good. We'd rather have, you know, you know, whoever, uh, Jared Burton, you know, Carlos Fisher, Pedro Viola, whoever, you know. Yeah, we're we're very free and uh, and easy with our opinions. We toss them about quite freely, uh, and uh, and I think that's something that we always need to constantly remind ourselves and everyone listening is that we don't know the entire story. Um, wish we did. Uh, wish we had all the information they've got, and so sometimes you've got to think, uh, you know, you got to sort of defer. They've got more information than we do. We can look at it on its face, and it looks like a pretty dumb decision, but there are other factors at play that we just can't be aware of. So uh, I don't I don't like Lincoln being on this roster, but we'll see how uh, quickly they cut bait with him, depending on how he does. Yep. <laughs> Excuse me there. Uh-huh. All right. Now, uh, the rest of the bullpen really was pretty much set from day one. Uh, you're looking at guys like uh, Daniel Ray Herrera. It'll be fun to watch him standing next to Logan Andrusek. You got Nick Massett. Uh, he's the best five six pitcher in baseball. Uh, that's right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and uh, he's another guy that's fun to watch uh, throw, watch him confuse everybody. You've got, uh, let's see, Micah Owings is is going to be out there, sort of the long man, I guess. Um, and Arthur Rhodes, as well as uh, Coco Cordero. Now, most of those guys are pretty much set. I'm I'm a little concerned. Of, I don't know if concerned is the right word, but. I would caution Reds fans not to expect the same year out of Nick Massett that he had last year. He's never really had that kind of performance. You know, he's never performed as well as he did last year. I wouldn't be surprised to see him sort of bounce back to the mean a little bit. Uh, that doesn't mean he's not going to be an effective pitcher. He still can be, but uh, 
uh, for the first two thirds, uh, three quarters of last year, he was spectacular out of the bullpen. So, but otherwise, it's a you know, it, it seems like a pretty decent, uh, pretty decent bullpen. Got a couple of left-handers. Um, you got a guy that can pinch hit, <laughs> Mike Owens. Uh, I don't have any issues with the rest of that rotation. What about you? I mean, no, rest I don't of the bullpen. And, 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 and I, I'm hoping that the light came on for Massett yes, last year, and that you know he really figured it out. You know, but I think you know if you look at the odds are, you're probably right. He, he returns closer to his baseball card numbers. You know, hopefully not completely to his baseball card numbers, but. But you also, you know, the other thing is there's also help in the bullpen in the, in the minor leagues too. We don't know what what they're going to do with Maloney. You know, is the is it a, is he going to start or relieve? The same thing with Lair. Um, Bill Bray is still rehabbing. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not ever going to count on Bill Bray to be he- ever be healthy. But the yeah. you know, Carlos Fisher is having some elbow problems, but we don't know how serious that is. Pedro Viola, I, you heard a lot of talk early in spring training about uh, Del Rosario. Uh, right. I, I sure wouldn't count on him not being up on a big club at some point this year. Yeah, a lot of interesting interesting names. Uh, of course, the ever eternally rehabbing Bill Bray. Uh, you know, this guy pitches. He's, he's a good pitcher. Um, he just I don't know if he's ever going to stay healthy. You can't count on him, but he's a lefty that uh, could help if he can stay healthy. You're right. Um, I, I like Carlos Fisher, but maybe that might be only because uh, I played uh, at the same table with him in the Reds uh, Community Fund Poker Tournament there at Reds Fest. And he seemed, he seemed like a really nice guy. Um, yeah, a lot of interesting names. Del Rosario, I think, uh, has opened up a lot of eyes. That uh, funky delivery of his. It's some guys that, down and yada, yeah, yada, yeah. Which plays very well, certainly for a reliever in Great American Ballpark when you don't want to be giving up any long balls uh, late in games, tight spots. So um, the bullpen as well, you know, is in a pretty good position. Um, yeah. And and it's a it's a cheap bullpen when you exclude Coco Cordero, you know, so uh, with some yeah. cheap options. So I'm pretty pleased with the way that the bullpen's been constructed. Um, Cordero, you know, I wish they could trade him. Although I love I love the guy, uh, I love what he brings to the team. I love the he's you know he's a, he's a great pitcher. Uh, just a lot of money to For tie to seventy or eighty innings. Yeah, a lot of money to tie up in uh, in one guy like that that doesn't. Uh, and I think I think a lot of the future of, of Cordero with this team is going to depend on how Nick Massett pitches this year. Yeah, I was hopeful that Burton was going to be the guy to step up and uh, they finally get some confidence in him and uh, and maybe make Cordero expendable. Now, just because Cordero's expendable, though, doesn't mean there's going to be a taker for him. Uh, you know, it's a lot of money. Absolutely. And uh, with the economy the way it is, uh, some teams are scaling back a little bit uh, on luxury items. And a closer, in a lot of ways, is a luxury item uh, at that price. The other thing, the other move we haven't mentioned is one that made me very happy because the Reds released Kip Wells. I'm, I was very concerned that they were going to waste a spot in the minor leagues on him. Well, the first reaction I had to you, you know, you texted me the news about uh, about Matt Clinker. My first reaction was, oh man, they're going to send him to to Double A and let Kip Wells take a spot in the Triple A rotation. That really bothered me that uh, Kip Wells would uh, cause the you know demotion of another. Uh, of, a, of another guy who has a chance to be a major league pitcher, um, that that didn't happen. Obviously, I'm still not uh, too happy about Clinker getting sitting down. But I agree. I, I'm very surprised and pleasantly surprised that they cut bait with Wells. I thought that's the kind of guy they were going to keep around. He'd be the first guy brought up uh, when uh, somebody faltered or got injured on the major league level. And I just I thought we were going to be inflicted with the pain of watching Kip Wells all season long. I think that says how far this team's come pitching wise. You know, and I think Chris Welsh mentioned this, you know, a few years ago, you know, in the interview last week. 
that a few years ago, you know, we had guys coming into spring training that could win the, the number three or the number two spot in our rotation, and we had five spots to fill in the bullpen. We, it, pardon me. This year, we went in, and you know, you were you you had a really finagle to get a shot at the number five spot, even though they said Lincoln early, but I think that was all a joke. And and even the the bullpen spots were were not really open. I mean, Burton kind of pitched his way out of the out of the bullpen. So, you know, this team is is a long way from where it was three, four, five years ago in the pitching department. It was not that long ago when Kip Wells would have been the number four starter, and and people would have been like uh, talking about him, like, oh, if he can just uh, recover what he'd done in the past. Although if you look at the stats, he's not done much in ten years. But, um, yeah, he, I mean, he would have had a spot on the major league rotation easily. Yeah. Uh, you think about guys like Josh Fogg and uh, Jimmy Anderson and some of the. You know, oh, the dregs that we've had to watch uh, with this organization that uh, started opening day. Yes, I know. Um, (laughs) You know, I've got uh, I've got one of these panoramic photos in my chambers, uh, my office at 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 work of the first pitch in Great American Ballpark. And it's a great photo. You know, Uh, you can see the see the ball actually in the air. But every time I look at it, it really just bothers me that the guy throwing that first pitch, the opening day starter, was Jimmy Haynes. Uh, oh, man, we've come a long way since those days. I think I might have brought Tom Browning out of retirement just for the first inning. <laughs> yeah, really. Somebody just to, just to toss that first, the first pitch even. And then, yep. but when, when Jimmy Haynes is your best starter and a, a Jimmy Haynes type pitch, pitcher could not even make the major league roster uh, at this time shows how far they've come. Uh, and, uh, well, and the fact that they didn't even keep him in the organization shows right. how far the organization has come talent-wise. Uh, I, they don't even want him taking up a spot at the AAA level where they got you know younger talent. It's so. a, that's a great point because I, I was I was certain they were going to keep him in AAA sort of as roster filler, you know, and uh, organizational depth. And I guess they feel like they've got uh, enough depth now, and I think I agree with them where they can uh, withstand some injuries and some poor performances. That they don't need a guy like Kip Wells. Uh, you know, wasting innings and wasting a spot that could be going to someone they're trying to develop. So it's a, uh, you're right. That was a pleasant surprise, um, a surprise nonetheless, but, uh, very excited about that one. Let's see now. Uh, I guess we can move on to, let's talk about the infield here. Really the most interesting to me, uh, there are two interesting, uh, cuts that were made with respect to the infield. Uh, they're backup infielders. We, our starters have been set. Everybody knew that uh, with uh, Joey Votto at first and Brandon Phillips at second. Um, Orlando Cabrera at short, and uh, everybody's buddy Scott Rowland at third. You know, if you had to name the, if the, if you had to name those for people that are listening to this, they wouldn't be listening to this. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> You're right. People that are listening to this uh, podcast probably have an idea who's starting to. But, oh, the infield ends. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, but they're they're well set, and uh, but there were yeah. two two guys that. Um, and again, I, I want to caution uh, everyone listening and, and us. We argue too much over these 24th, 25th man on the roster spot. So, you know, whether we agree or disagree with the decision, um, and I ex- really agree with one of these decisions I'm getting ready to, to mention. Um, and I'm not, not going to mean a whole lot in the long run. Um, but first of all, they cut bait with Aaron Miles. Aaron Miles, of course, came over from uh, the A's in the we want to dump Willie Tavares trade. Um, uh, and, you know, of course, also trading Rosales. They, they, Basically, they're designating him for assignment. They're going to eat his salary, and um, and he's he's gone. They're going to try to trade him, I think. Uh, and of course, Drew Sutton getting sent down was the other one. We'll talk about that one in a moment. That sort of surprised me a little bit. But um, 
what you're looking at with Aaron Miles is basically, and, and I thought because he was a former jockety guy, you know, from St. Louis, I thought he had this team made easy. But what you're, basically, the Reds gave away Adam Rosales, who I who I still like. They gave him away basically for free, just so they could get rid of Willie Tavares. Yeah. Uh, of course, I don't know why in the end they didn't just release Willie Tavares, eat his contract, uh, designate him for assignment, and you still have Rosales, but. Uh, of course well, I, I think the answer to that is they came into this into spring training thinking that Miles would play as was all, was going to make this team, and I think Miles played his way off the roster. Yeah, uh, he was horrible in spring training. You know, he was he was the same player he was last year, and I I think Jockety thought he was you know a different kind of player. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He he was horrible in spring training, but it was the same type of performance we'd seen out of him previously. They, they weren't basing this on just uh, you know a few at bats in the spring, but he right. was, he looked like the same cruddy player that uh, had played last year so and that the cubs that the cubs dumped on the a's right yeah so um listen i you know i i think i hate i hated losing rosales i'm a bigger rosales fan than anybody around evidently other than billy bean out in oakland but look i i, I think that it's in the end it doesn't look good that you basically gave away rosales for free but if you look at it uh, in the right light, you squint a little bit and you say, hey, look, you know, this Miles guy, they thought he'd make it. He didn't. But, you know, they're not going to let him uh, take up outs or, uh, you know, hurt the major league roster. They're just going to cut bait. And I think that, you know, sunk costs are, are a concept the Reds haven't always understood. Um, it's clear that Walt Jockety and uh, Bob Castellini do understand that concept. And it's a, I think that's an important development that we've seen from uh, this organization over the last year or two. Um, and I think it's the right move. I'm glad they did it. Yeah, I mean, I, I do too. It's surprising to me, but, but I think it was the right move. Uh, I'm not sure about who they decided to keep, but that's a whole different issue. Yeah, and uh, the guys they kept are Miguel Cairo. I guess they've got to put him on the 40-man. He's not on the 40-man yet, I don't think, but they've kept right. him. And he he played well in the spring. He's one of these guys. I, I sort of liken him to a Jerry Harrison type that just organizations like. He'll play a few different positions. He uh, played you know. well early in the spring. Late in the spring, he didn't play very well. Yeah, but there's a lot to be said for that uh, first impression. Um, and and he plays a lot of different positions. He's a little, little more versatile than uh, some of the other guys. Although the guy that he made the roster over was Drew Sutton, and I, I hated to see that. I thought Drew Sutton was a great guy to have around on the roster as a bench guy. I can spot start him if you need to in several positions, including the outfield. And I don't know. I'm a, I'm a Sutton fan as far as that goes. Um, but they kept Cairo, dumped Miles, sent Sutton to AAA, and kept. And I don't know whether to talk about him in the infielders, or the outfielders, because really he's neither. Let's talk about him in the outfield. All right, then. Also, I won't even mention his name because yeah, I want to make a point of who they didn't keep and who they. Uh, yeah. to keep him. Uh, I, I I want to give our buddy Chris Welsh a big attaboy on this because he was the first person of anybody and anywhere that I heard that said that Cairo would make this team. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. predicted Cairo making this team. Um, I don't think he helps the team. I don't think he hurts the team. I, I just – and you talked about Drew Sutton – I think Drew Sutton is is another guy. I think when you're a young guy and you're trying to make a team, you come to spring training, you better shine. Yeah. And he didn't. You know, he kicked the ball around in the infield. I don't know how well he hit, but I know defensively he was horrible. 
And, you know, he's another guy that never, you know, he didn't give them a chance to put him on the ball club. Yeah, you've got to at least uh, force their hand uh, when you're a young guy fighting for that spot, whereas Cairo has been on several major league rosters. And, uh, you know, you get uh, that's the way it works in baseball. For better or for worse, you get the benefit of the doubt. I'm like you. He's not going to hurt. Cairo's not going to hurt the team. He's probably not going to help the team. Um, he's sort of a non-entity when it comes to that because we're talking about the last guy on the bench probably. But yeah, It depends on how much he has to play. Yeah, if he's forced into starting every day like Jerry Harrison Jr. was, we're in trouble. Um, yeah. And if he's the option at third base, uh, should uh, well, I shouldn't say should, I should say when Scott Rowland gets hurt, uh, well, we're in trouble. And I think that's an issue that we ought to address. You know, it's something I asked, I, I brought up to Chris Welsh. You know, how many how many games can we realistically expect Scott Rowland to play? And he said 120. Now, I think if Scott Ro- if Scott Rowland you know, he's got 42 games that he doesn't play. I think this team needs to come up with a better answer than than Cairo or Giannis at third base. Yeah, and again, maybe that goes back to the guy we're getting ready to talk about here in a few minutes, but he's not an option at third base from what we've seen defensively. So, I, yeah, um, yeah, I, I'm scared to death that Scott Rowland gets hurt in uh, you know week five of the season, and Miguel Cairo's over there five days a week playing yeah. third base. That that's listen, they're a a, a playoff caliber team. Doesn't have those problems. The playoff caliber team does not have Miguel Cairo start for any length of time. Right. So, uh, and, 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 and you've been involved in a in an ongoing discussion on on the comments section of the blog. I think this morning and last night dealing with uh, our buddy Paul Yanish. Right. Um, and I, I tend to side with you. You know, Walt can put him on the twenty five man roster, but that don't mean Dusty's got to play him. And until he starts playing him more than he did last year when he didn't have to, uh, I won't believe he'll play him. Right, yeah, that's what I've been saying. I didn't think Giannis would actually make the roster. I'm a little surprised that he did. Um, but it's going to sort of – what what something you always say is, look, I'm, I'm, I'm Missouri. I'm the show-me state. you got to show me something. Uh, he, uh, Giannis was on the roster all last year. Jockety put him on the roster. And Dusty Baker contorted himself uh, like a pretzel to try to do anything he could not to put Giannis on the field. I don't know why anybody th- would think, based upon the available evidence, that Paul Yonish is going to be your backup at third base or your backup at second base. He played two positions last year, or two innings last year at a position other than shortstop, if you exclude his uh, pitching uh, outings. He played two innings at third base, played none at second base. Um, he is a shortstop, and he barely played at shortstop until the Reds, Walt Jockley, forced uh, his hand, forced Dusty Baker's hand by getting rid of Alex Gonzalez. Um, I think that Paul Yanish, a incredible fielder, I think that he is going to be the lost man on the bench here, and I'm going to continue to believe that until Dusty Baker proves me wrong by you know moving him around, letting him uh, back up at some of these other positions. I think Yanish can handle those other positions defensively. Nobody they have as a backup is going to be able to hit much, I don't think, at those positions. But Yanish at least would be able to handle them, you would think, defensively. So probably a good option as a backup at those other positions. But hey, show me. Yeah, you said Cairo is the last guy on the bench, but I think Giannis is the last guy on the bench. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, I guess Cairo's the 24th guy. Maybe the 23rd if you want to put uh, Michael Lincoln as the 24th. I don't know. But when you're talking about those guys, you're not talking about uh, guys that are going to get a ton of at-bats anyway. But, you know, I'm I just I'm, uh, I, I'm interested to see how the Giannis situation plays out. He made the team, and uh, I was really surprised a couple weeks ago when uh, – See Trent uh, Rosecrans uh, talk to Bill James, the the famed Bill James, and Bill James was just effusive in his praise for Paul Yonish. 
just really, really likes Giannis. So, um, and I've, I've never been a huge fan of Paul Giannis. I love watching him play defense, but I don't know how he fits into the roster as it's currently constructed. No, I don't either. And the, and going back to the rolling thing for, for just a quick second before we move on is, uh, one would hope that if Scott is hurt and has to go on the DL, they won't try to make do with whatever they've got on the major league roster. They'll reach down and pull up someone, whether it be Todd Frazier or you know or whatever. Yeah, and that's someone we've not mentioned. I would yeah. pre- I would prefer that. Give uh, Give Frazier a shot at it uh, if if you need some, a lot of innings at third base. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I that's how Chris Sabo became a, a regular on the Reds. He stepped in when somebody was hurt. So Buddy Bell. Yep. Buddy, Buddy Bell got hurt, and uh, Sabo grabbed it and never let go. Um, yeah, that's going to be uh, interesting to see. We talked about Homer Bailey being sort of the big question mark as to how this team does, but I think you got three guys in that infield that are sort of going to be barometers for the Reds' success this year. Is Joey Votto going to have an MVP-type season and be able to play the whole year? Is Brandon Phillips going to improve? Is Brand- What kind of a year are we going to get out of Brandon Phillips? I think that's going to be really important. He's going to be hitting in the middle of the order. And I think how many games is Scott Rowling going to play? I think those are uh, – if those – questions are resolved favorably to the Reds as it turns out as we look back at the season um, I think the Reds are going to have a really good chance at being competitive um, if if all three of those uh, don't sort of pan out uh, you know I don't know how this team has a chance in the world of scoring enough runs uh, to compete yeah I mean I think you can pretty well figure out what Phillips is going to do I mean he's he's pretty consistent you know whether and I think Joey Votto is going to hit I Personally, I have concerns about the emotional issues until I see that they aren't here anymore. Um, but Roland has shown he can't stay healthy, so they better have a plan B. I hope they do. Uh, again, you got to count on having that. With Votto, I, I, you know, I understand the concerns, and I'm trying not to have concerns about all that because, man, I, I, just, I just love watching Joey Votto play baseball. You know, that guy is just. Uh, well, one doesn't have anything to do with the other. No, I agree. I agree. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to say that they do, um, because I know that you are a huge Joey Votto fan as well. Absolutely. Uh, and that's what I wanted to sort of point out. Uh, you know, you can be concerned about what he's going to do this year and whether he's going to be able to play a full season, while also recognizing that man, this guy, I love having him in the middle of our order. I want Joey Votto to be a red for a long, long time. Um, he's just uh, he's impressed everyone. Whenever whenever we talk about Votto, I always bring up what Chris Welsh said, you know, because I was teasing Chris in an interview last year because Joey had, he had told me the year before that he didn't think Joey would ever be a real good player, and he said to me that was before I knew Joey Votto was a man. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, I was watching a, a stupid spring training game against the Dodgers last week, and you know, some uh, a little pop up foul pop up was. Uh, was dropped by someone or someone couldn't get to it. And, and Votto was you could t- visibly irritated about it and, and took, uh, I think Ryan Hannigan was the catcher at the time. And it wasn't Hannigan's fault because the batter got in his way uh, in terms of trying to reach it. But he put his arm around him and, you know, sort of – you could just sort of see how the other guys look up to him and how he, you know, sort of – in terms of the way he values himself as a leader of this club, you know, he sees himself as a leader of this club. And um, he's, a, he's a man, and um, I hate that all the other issues have uh, come up. If those issues are sort of in his past um, – then what you've got here is a guy that's going to be a flat-out stud for years to come um, and a guy that's going to be, I think when, it, when it's all said and done, a guy that is going to be worshipped in Cincinnati, uh, the way that the Reds fans have a tendency to worship some guys. I just see him being one of those guys. I, I think he, I agree with you that he's growing in. He seems to be growing into the leadership role. 
And I, and I don't think that's anything the team can push on you. I don't think it's anything the coaching and the managers can push on you. You got it or you don't. You, you either have it or you don't, and, and, you, and you, the other guys will either accept it from you or they won't. Right. And I think they accept it from Vlado. Just from my, just watching from the grandstands, you know, it looks like it. Uh, so, I don't know. There are some question marks there in the infield, but uh, if that infield doesn't uh, perform about as well as, as they can, it's going to be tough for the Reds to score a lot of runs. Um, Catching-wise, same catching duo as last year, the tandem of Ryan Hannigan and Ramon Hernandez. Um, they both got the same initials. Um other than that, they're not extremely similar, and we know that they're not going to be treated similarly either. Ramon Hernandez is going to get the bulk of the playing time. Uh, It'll be interesting to see how that how that breaks down. You know, whether Hannigan catches, we assume he's going to catch Arroyo all the time. Um, I don't know whether he'll catch either Harang or Bailey, you know, on a consistent basis, or whether he'll get worked in and out. I would assume with the Cueto, that'll always be um, Hernandez. Hernandez, thank you. <laughs> and when Chapman gets up here, I assume it'll always be Hernandez. Because um, the language thing, yeah, you'd think so. Yeah, because of the language issue. But I, I'm real curious to see how this splits out. You know, it won't be a 50 50, but if it's any worse than a 60 40, I'm not going to be real happy. I. I Defensively, there's no comparison between them. I agree. Hannigan's got a gun of an arm. Um, yeah, you know, I've, I've Hannigan's grown on me. Um, I first they saw don't Han- Ryan Hannigan anymore. Yeah, I, I no, no. The word's out on Ryan Hannigan. First saw him play in Chattanooga in Double A, and I don't know. There's something about him that caught my eye at that time. I didn't know that he, if he'd ever make the majors at that time. He was a little bit old for that level when I saw him. Um, but there was something that caught my eye about him uh, at, at the time. And, you know, last year, just watch him play, um, you know, watch how he controlled the running game. And, and I don't know how he does in terms of calling games and controlling the pitchers, things like that. Those are questions I can't answer. But uh, I like his makeup. I thought that he, you know, he gets on base a good bit. He didn't hit for much power last year at all. Uh, the criticism I keep hearing about Hannigan is one that just sort of bothers me. It's that, well, he only had, uh, you know, how many RBIs he had last year, while Hernandez had a lot more RBIs. Well, you know, Hernandez played more, number one, and you can't blame, and I'd like to see how many runners were on base, uh, when Hannigan was up at the play, how many times he had an opportunity to drive run in as composed, as opposed to Hernandez. You know, Hernandez may have had a lot more opportunities. I, I hate taking a, you know, those guys, neither one of them played half a season hardly last year when you look at the total numbers and you're, you're looking at those RBI numbers and San Hernandez is a better clutch hitter. Come on. Uh, I don't think that's been resolved at all, but it has been in the minds of a lot of people. And I'm worried. Yeah, that it, I have that, seen the numbers. I forget where what they. I can't remember what they were off the top of my head. And Hannigan was not good with guys on base. He just he just wasn't. Um, but it's you know it was his first year in the big in his first full year in the big leagues. And, and those numbers generally don't translate from one year to the next anyway. So I think to brand the guy with that is is pretty unfair. By the end of a person's career, those numbers generally just even out. Whatever his numbers are in all situations, you know his career stats. Are going to look like his stats with runners in scoring position. That all that all averages out. Um, but I've seen Dusty Baker at least twice. I've read quotes from Dusty Baker about how Hernandez is such a good clutch hitter and uh, come through in the clutch. And that's why he likes him. I, you know, I expect Hernandez as long as he's healthy to be playing five times a week. No, I hope it's not that much, but we'll have to hide and watch. Yeah, I guess. Um, but move on to the outfield quickly. Unless there's anything else you have to say about the infield uh, that we haven't covered. All right. Move on. 
the outfield, a lot of interesting stories in the outfield. Of course, the sort of surprising move and the one move of the spring that I've really disagreed with Walt Jockety on, on its face, is that the Reds have decided to keep Juan Francisco on the roster, which I don't, you know, I don't mind having Juan Francisco on the roster necessarily, but the fact that the related move is that they're basically designating Vladimir Ballantine for assignment. They're cutting bait and they're getting rid of Vladimir Ballantine um, in order to keep Juan Francisco on the roster. Why? I think it goes back to what we talked about earlier. They they think that the other thing is who's who's going to go down when they when they have to bring Lika. I think all fingers point that it's going to be Francisco. Um, you there? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. You're it, right. It got, it got very quiet. It sounded like we like we'd lost contact. I was thinking. I, I'm not real bright, so it takes me a while to get you through know, my I, thoughts. I think that you know this goes back to them bringing the best 25 guys they feel that can get them off to a good start to Cincinnati for opening day, and they think that Francisco can help them more than Ballantine. Now the question is: Is it worth possibly losing this guy? Uh, over the fact that on April the 11th or whatever the date is that they're going to have to bring up their number five starter, somebody's going to have to come off of the 25 man. Yeah, with a caveat as always that you know they know more about the situation than I do. I don't see, however, how Vladimir Ballantine's not one of the best 25 guys. Um, this, this guy just entering in his, his prime hits for a lot of power. Um, you put him up next to uh, Juan Francisco. And, uh, you know, of course he's, uh, two and a half years or three years older than, uh, Francisco. Um, I, I don't know. I just don't, I think that Ballantine helps him more today than Juan Francisco does. I think Francisco needs more development time. Um, I, I don't see it. And, and I hate that they're going to probably lose Ballantine now. I mean, I guess he could accept a, you know, accept a demotion to AAA, an assignment to AAA. Um, but, uh, I expect he won't. Um, and he'll be gone if they if they're unable to trade him. He'll be he'll be, you know, basically released. I don't get it. I don't and I don't like it. I'm guessing that they feel they've got enough talent in the organization that that loss won't hurt them badly. The, the bigger question to me is, if Francisco is not the guy sent back down in early April for the number five starter, does it is it advantageous to his talents or to his career? To be a bench player at this point, you know, is he gonna is he gonna learn the, to improve on the things that he needs to improve on to become a better player by playing once in a while and pinch hitting? I don't see that at all. He has some very Francisco has some very glaring weaknesses, uh, most notably his lack of any sense of plate discipline whatsoever. Um, and yeah, you're not gonna learn that sitting on the bench in the major leagues. Uh, I don't think you do. Um, I've never sat on the bench in the major leagues. Um, I hope he would. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got plenty of uh, I got plenty of experience sitting on a bench <laughs> in, in lower leagues. Uh, I could do that great. Um, but I, I don't uh, I don't see it. You know, again, they maybe they know more than I do. They've got an idea, got a plan somehow. And, and I think Francisco is probably the likely one to go out on April 11th when they got to put uh, Leak on the roster to be the fifth starter. Um, so maybe they're just keeping him here uh, for for that amount of time, just to uh, you know, sort of his roster f- space. Keep you know roster filler, um, maybe get him a few big league at bats, and then get him down and have him playing every day in AAA. But if you're going to do that, you know why not keep Ballantine already on the forty man? Um, keep Ballantine 
and you've got until April 11th to try to work out a trade involving him. You know, uh, he Jockley told Ballantine and Miles both when they were designated for assignment, uh, well, they're going to be designated officially on Sunday for assignment, um, that he was going to try to trade them if he could. Uh, I think they got until Sunday at 3 o'clock to do that. Or maybe they have 10 days after that. I can't remember how the rule works on that. But either way, why not uh, Why not uh, designate Ballantine for assignment on April the 11th? And you've got that much more time to try to work out a deal for him. And in the meantime, I think he's better. Again, he's, we're talking about a backup outfielder. It's not going to kill the Reds either way. But I think he's better suited to be that backup outfielder than, than Francisco is at this point in Francisco's career. Well, and it's the last outfielder. Because let's remember, there's another guy that they kept too that they're going to have to make a 40-man roster move for. And I'm not sure why they kept that guy over Valentin. Uh, of course, you're talking about Lance Nix. Um, I don't a minor league deal. Yeah, they, they didn't have to keep him. They, they could have sent him to uh, uh, Louisville, and uh, you know, uh, wouldn't have to lose him. Uh, you know, does he bring more to the the team than Valentin does? I, you know, I don't know. He bats left-handed. They'll have a, that's a left-handed bat. And off, he plays off really the pitch. good defense. Plays good defense, um, and you know he'll hit when he runs into one. He'll hit it a long way. Um, you know, maybe maybe they just want another left-handed bat. I don't know. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't. I don't see why you keep those guys over Ballantine when the alternative is you're going to lose Ballantine. Uh, yeah, I'm not a big Ballantine fan. I mean, for listening to this, you're a much bigger fan than I am. But I also have a problem with losing guys that should be coming into their own for free, you know, for free. Yeah, I don't know that Ballantine's ever going to be anything more than a platoon, possibly a platoon starter in the big leagues. But there's some value in what he does do and what he does well. Um, and that's that's my issue, you know. You're just giving, giving him away, basically. Yeah, and now, you know, we talk about sunk costs. They didn't give up a lot to get him. No, they didn't. And, and, you know, I mean, and they're not losing a lot necessarily when they lose him. That's not the issue. But, you know, if it's a huge roster country, you got a bunch of guys that uh, are fighting for that position and you have to, you don't have any choice. Here, though, it looked like they had choices where they could uh, work, work these players around and, and not lose any of them and still have the options later on what to do with them uh, rather than going ahead and, and losing one now. You know, they could have you know, kept him over Knicks and delayed that decision and maybe look to see if there's some other way they could uh, work out a trade, anything. Uh, that's that's where I'm confused and would like to know what their the Reds' thinking was on that. Well, I think it's very apparent that they're they, they value the players differently than we do. Yeah, no question, no question. And and you got to, uh, you know, I don't know if I don't know if the Reds' organization as a whole has earned the benefit of the of the doubt over the years. Um, but you know, we do have a new management team sorta here, and we'll uh, we'll see how it plays out. Uh, you know, Ballantine may end up being nobody. Um, that's a possibility, but. Uh, I think they see him as uh, William Opeña, and they're, they don't mind getting rid of him. Yep. I, I, you have to believe that at this point. Yeah. Jay Bruce in right field uh, as the starter. Uh, I think um, everyone's hoping for a big uh, sort of bounce-back year for him, or I would call it more of a continued development year for Jay Bruce. Um, he's shown a little more maturity this spring. We'll see how it happens when the lights go on um, on opening day, how he does. Uh, I think he's got to have a, a pretty big year. If the Reds are going to score runs uh, as well. He's the biggest, uh, I think, the biggest question mark in the outfield in terms of is if if any of those guys out there are going to have a big year, how's it going to help the team? I think Bruce having a big year really puts the Reds in a position where they can score some runs. So he's going to be a player to watch. Yeah, and I'm I'm a huge Jay Bruce fan, just huge. But Jay's got to get his on base percentage up. I mean, 
303 last year, 3014 his rookie year. That's not going to cut it. Not going to cut it. I agree. Uh, I'm not concerned. I'm not concerned about the batting average. If if he can hit me 250, 260, but if he's got that on base percentage at 350 with a good slugging, I'll be happy with that. Absolutely. Uh, but he's got to become more selective at the plate. Yeah, and you know he's talked about that in some interviews this spring, and and uh, you know Dusty Baker's mentioned a couple times in in press interviews. Um, everyone's aware that he's swinging too many pitches last year, that he got in some bad habits. And he's got to correct those. Now, whether they've got, you know, I don't have a whole lot of faith in Brooke Jacoby's the hitting coach to, uh, help resolve some of those issues. But, uh, Bruce has got to be a man here and understand this is my career. If I want to be the guy that I'm expected to be, this is what I've got to do. I've got to be more selective. Uh, I can't let pitchers, uh, I can't get myself out, uh, which is what he did a lot of times last year. Um, but I'm like you. I'm a huge Jay Bruce fan and I, and, um, I'm, I'm hoping for, for big things out of, out of Bruce this year. Again, let's not forget this guy. Just uh, this opening day weekend, I guess, turns 23 years old. Uh, you know, he's still a young guy. Um, center field, you're looking at Stubbs and Dickerson, Drew Stubbs and Chris Dickerson fighting for that. I think Stubbs is probably your opening day starter and is going to get the bulk of that playing time. Uh, just my guess, um, based on what I've seen, and they're high on on Drew Stubbs. Uh, Dickerson, I like having Dickerson around. If he can work out his defensive issues in left field, he's a he's a valuable fourth outfielder. Uh, for a good team, and I like having him around. Um, and by all accounts, as we've heard from everyone, um, and as I saw when I got to have a little interaction with him over the winter, uh, just a great guy. Um, and so, uh, not a whole lot to say really about Stubbs and Dickerson, unless you've got something, uh, you know, that can be added. We kind of know what we've got there. It's going to be interesting to see how the playing time shakes out. I think Stubbs is the guy until he proves he's not. Yeah, I do too, and, and that goes sort of back into what we've talked about many times, and you've mentioned already today, he's the number one draft pick. He's the guy the money's invested in. Um, give him a shot. Let's see how he can do. I think that everyone is going to be – he's sort of like, even if he doesn't hit extremely well, he's a guy whose defense is going to be so noticeably better than what uh, you know we saw out of Willie Tavares last year. He's going to be a guy that's going to make people stand up and take notice the way he gets the balls out there. So uh, just outstanding defensively and, and – um, yeah. The only thing that he may get abused on it isn't going to be it could be something that's not his fault, and that's be his hitting in the leadoff spot. Uh, he's not a leadoff hitter. I, I firmly believe that. I think he. I think if he was hitting seventh on this team and and playing the kind of defense he's capable of playing, I think he. You know, but you know, Dusty's got those pre-printed lineup cards, and the and the center fielder has to lead off, and the shortstop has to hit second. So uh, my concern is if if Drew isn't getting on base at, at a real good rate, he's going to start taking some flack, and, and that's not fair to this young kid. It's not. It's not. He needs to be batting seventh, and uh, he's not going to be. Whoever's bat. That's the craziest uh, sort of. Uh, I don't know what the eccentricity. I guess of Dusty Baker. You know the the wristbands and the toothpicks are enough, but the fact that he has to hit his center fielder and shortstop one two is just insane. Um, you know, and and Stubbs is a guy that probably would benefit from not having the pressure being that leadoff guy this year. Um, it's 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 bizarre uh, why Baker continues to do that. But now you don't think that if Stubbs is struggling to get on base at leadoff that he'll stick with him. Baker doesn't have any history of sticking with a guy at leadoff when the guy can't get on base, does he? You're oh wait a minute, uh, Corey Patterson, Willie Tavares. Yeah, we may be in trouble 
If yeah. I, it, I mean, and, that, and that's my concern. And then, you know, if this kid's not getting on base at the rate we'd like, then the, the media is going to be starting to point it out, and then the fans will be on the kid. And it's not fair to him that you, where Baker puts him in the lineup. Yeah, it's it's not fair to Drew Stubbs. I think that's the biggest point here. He's a young kid and, you know, got a chance of being a pretty good major league guy. And, I don't know, just sort of more visible as that leadoff guy than he would be if he were hitting seventh or eighth, you know. Uh, just more visible to the fans and, and to the media, and people are going to start talking about him as a bust if he doesn't work out early on. And it's just that, that bothers me. And I think Dusty Dusty gets credit, and fairly deserved, I think, a lot of times, for how he protects his players, and he's a, sort of a player's manager. This is a situation, and I think it's also the same with Tavares and Patterson in years past, where he hangs these guys out to dry uh, by putting them in that leadoff spot when they're not producing. Um, and uh, I'm just... Uh, I hope it doesn't come to that. I hope Stubbs gets off to a hot start, maybe even plays above his head for a little while, um, in order to sort of get a give him the benefit. He'll get the benefit of the doubt a little bit more, because um, I like Stubbs. Uh, he's I've come around on him. I've I've never been a fan of Drew Stubbs. I never, frankly, thought he'd be much of a major league player. Um, you convinced me early on about his defense, um, and uh, and I've come around on Stubbs, and I, I'm looking forward to watching him this year, but I. I'm worried. I'm worried how that's going to play out. Well, he's definitely improved as he's moved through the organization, and that's what you want to see. That's uh, that's just uh, that's that's I don't know. I'm concerned about the stub situation. Concerned about what kind of production we get out of left field as well. You got Johnny Gums and Lance Nix basically there. I'm a Johnny Gums fan mostly because he seems like such a good guy, you know, and he, uh, the sombrero and all the fun we have with him. He does look good in a sombrero. He does look good in a sombrero. He had a mohawk earlier this spring. Uh, he's a, you know, he's a guy that everybody by all accounts loves having him in the, in the, uh, clubhouse. But, you know, I don't know if he's a guy you can count on every day in left field. Um, and, uh, you know, him platooning with Lance Nix and or Chris Dickerson, how's that going to play out? I don't know. I think that's the glaring hole in the Reds' offense still, where if they could get a, a slugging left fielder, it'd make this team's chances of com- being competitive that much greater. I, I think I think you're right there. I mean, we'd love to have a you know a great guy to stick out there in left field and him play 150, 155 games. I think the pressure in left field is on Dusty Baker to make sure he gets the right guy out there every night. Do you trust uh, Dusty? No. In Dusty, we trust. Come on, man. That's the you know. I trust the, Dusty Baker parking my car. That's the motto of Red Leg Nation and of this podcast, man. In Dusty, we trust. Get on the get on board the bus, man. Get on the Dusty train. Come on. What's wrong with you? I'm, I'm in the I'm in the trailer behind the bus. Oh, you're being dragged along. Uh, yeah, I think I'm afraid that Drew Stubbs is going to get dragged along uh, as well, and uh, and uh, you know Paul Yanish is going to get drugged along. Um, with, along with the rest of us fans, if Dusty doesn't make the right decision. But you're right. How he splits up that playing time in left field will uh, determine how much production we get out of that spot. Uh, Absolutely. And the pressure is on, on him and, and those guys to, to compete, to, to, to come through on the days that they're playing. I uh, my, my hope is that uh, Jockety is scouring the, uh, the, the trading block to try to find a left fielder that might be available that you can uh, package harangue and, and somebody else in order to get a left fielder. I hope it's not one of those young pitchers, like we said earlier, but I'm hoping that there's some way to the Reds that Jockety can pull a left fielder out of his hat. Well, the uh, other thing is, I mean, we haven't talked about him today but much, but we got some young guys playing in Louisville 
that I think are going to be some pretty good outfielders. You know, and they're, I wouldn't say if they're not ready this year, they'll be ready next year. And that's Chris Heisey and, and uh, Todd Frazier. Both them guys, you know, Heisey's a heck of an outfielder. Uh, Chris Welsh said that he probably impressed the people in, at camp more than anyone. Uh, you hear nothing but good things about Todd Frazier, and Todd can play the outfield. So, I mean, how much do you want to invest, you know, to get bring a guy in for one year? You know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I agree. Um, if they think that Heisey is a, sort of a, a long, maybe not long term, but uh, in the near term going to be a solution to that left field spot, yeah, maybe. You know, Heisey hits right-handed like, uh, like Gomes does. Um, so he's not necessarily a good platoon partner uh, for Johnny Gomes out there. Uh, you know, I kind of see Todd Frazier as being the second baseman and or third baseman of the future. Um, but you know, interesting to see where he plays this year in Louisville. Cannot wait to see uh, where he, where he ends up down there. A um, lot more infielders than outfielders down there. Were they going to play? Uh, where are they going to play Heisey down there? You know, he's played center field, uh, sort of a level behind Sut, uh, Stubbs all these years. Are they going to play uh, Heisey in left field down there to get him ready since that's where the opening is in the major league level? Are they going to let him play center field where he's proven that he is a, an outstanding defensive center fielder? I don't know. Um, and if they, play, if they play him in left field, where are they going to play Juan Francisco if and when he gets sent down? A lot of, I'm glad I'm not managing that AAA roster because there's a lot of, lot of roster crunch issues down there, lineup crunch issues. Yeah. So. Yeah, if, if they think Heisey's going to be ready soon, maybe that's their answer. But, you know, Heisey, I love Heisey. I think he's uh, really outperformed all expectations. And I love seeing a story like that. But is he the guy that's going to come up and uh, push this offense over the top? I, I don't think so. Uh, not this year. So No, probably not this year. I, I agree with that. But I think he can be a good component to him next year. Him and Frazier both, I expect. I expect both those guys to be on the major league roster next year. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're in the uh, starting lineup on opening day next year. I agree. So, Well, that just about uh, covers. We've covered about everybody we can cover uh, with respect to them. Let me just uh, sort of scroll down the uh, roster here and see if there's anybody else we haven't really uh, touched on. I think we got everything. The one thing that I think we ought to talk about a little bit, though, for just a second is these these – Decisions on the 40-man roster are a heck of a lot tougher than they are they were a year ago. I'm looking at the guys on the 40-man right now, and the the only two guys that I could see, if I had to make a move right now, you know, and this is not talking about DLs or anything, is, I mean, I would be leaning towards taking Bill Bray off the 40-man, and the other guy is Valaquette. I mean, that's the only other 40-man guy that I'd go, eh. I mean, I guess you could make an argument about Jordan Smith. I don't know. But, wow. I mean, there's there's some guys. There, there aren't a whole lot of guys on the 40-man that, you, you know, that you'd be wanting to turn loose. Yeah, I think they're still high on Jordan Smith, but those guys, yeah, I agree. Um, it's, we've never, we've not seen a roster crunch like this when you, in years past, wasting roster 40-man spots on the Josh Foggs of the world. Um, it's a, you know, it's a fun, fun problem to have, and um, it's a, it's a whole different ball game, I guess. Though the window's opening, we've talked about it for a few years now. The window is just now starting to, this, you know, it's barely getting opened up down at the bottom, um, but the window of opportunity to compete is opening, and uh, gosh, it's fun to watch. But you're right, it's a pretty tight uh, roster, um, and we talked about that earlier in terms of the fact that the available open spots on the 25-man roster. There were so few there were actually being competition for those spots. It's something we hadn't seen in Cincinnati in a while. So it's a different uh, world uh, in, in Red Leg Nation. Don't you agree? 
Yeah, it makes things a lot more uh, exciting, before, at least before the season starts. Yeah, they get out here and lose uh, five of their first seven ball games, and we're all going to be, you know, uh, same old Reds again. But um, but they're they're close. They're close, regardless of how they start the season or how this season actually ends up. I think they're close, and uh, I don't know. I just hope they make the right moves from this point forward to sort of accentuate the the positive things they've already got going on in the, in the organization and fill in some of those gaps. Um, yep. We'll see. It's prediction time, man. Are you ready? Yeah. All right. I predict that Louisville wins more games than Cincinnati. <laughs> oh, interesting. Um, that's not quite what I was uh, getting at, but uh, I think you may be right on that one. Um, Louisville's going to be stacked. Um, yeah, they really are. Uh, they're going to be a, the people down there will have a fun team to watch. You know, assuming the Reds stay fairly healthy and don't decimate the Louisville roster. Yeah. Uh, but prediction wise. I think the Reds will win around 80 games. I don't think they'll get over 500. You know, I think you're talking about somewhere between, I don't know, 78 and 80. I don't think they get over the 500 mark this year. I hope I'm wrong. I just don't think they're going to score enough runs. Yeah, they're going to have a lot of things go right. And those things could go right. And I'm optimistic, as I always am in the spring, but more optimistic this spring that, you know, those things could go right. But I'm just having a difficult time seeing how they're going to be able to put together enough runs with this team to really be a serious uh, contender. Um, I'm going to predict, because I want to predict this, uh, 82 wins, an 82-80 and 80 record, uh, uh, the first winning record in a decade. Um, and that's, But I'm, you know, I'm not quite – I'm not sure. I'm not sure that we're going to actually get that. But, I, listen – if everything goes right, if the pitching comes around, Homer Bailey and Johnny Cueto step up and Har- Harang comes back, if Roland stays healthy, if uh, Votto continues to be the man, if Jay Bruce takes a big step forward, you know, if we get some kind of crazy, unexpected uh, production out of, uh, I don't know, Gomes or uh, or Hazy comes up or Frazier comes up, uh, you know, this team could – it could turn into, a you know, one of these uh, – 1999 Reds teams that unexpectedly uh, compete. It, yeah, it, the, the, there's a, the talent level on this team is high enough to compete with the Cardinals if everything goes right. Right, and they got to have a lot of things go right. But it could happen, and, and doggone, I hope it happens, and uh, it could turn out to be a special season. I mean, it, it, it could it, be a very fun season here at Red Leg Nation. Yeah, and it, it's not impossible for that to happen. It's not necessarily likely, and but it's not impossible. Uh, it's not out of the realm of possibility. So that's what we got our fingers crossed for. Um, any final thoughts as we get ready to move into yet another season, uh, our sixth season as, as, uh, following the Reds at Red Leg Nation? Um, any, any other final thoughts? Um, next Saturday is my opening game for the Dayton Dragons and I'll have a report. Outstanding. Can't wait to hear about, uh, what's going on there in Dayton. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not sure when I'm going to be able to get up to a uh, game in Cincinnati. I'd love to be able to get up there for game two of the season when they're giving away Cincinnati Reds Snuggies uh, in Cincinnati. But we're going to be working on a uh, – it won't be for the Snuggie game, but we're going to be doing sometime, looks like probably in July. We'll have an announcement about that on the blog about doing a, a Red Leg Nation game, uh, getting as many of you guys out there that want to come and, uh, and have fun and hang out and watch a ball game uh, in Cincinnati. And uh, we're also tr- going to try to schedule one for uh, – 
Louisville and or we're talking about doing one for maybe Carolina. We'll see how that works out. Uh, just some guys, uh, some Red Leg Nation guys getting together, maybe watching some of our spotlight players in the minors. And, guys and girls, you sexist. Oh, you're right. I, I hope my wife doesn't listen to this podcast, but I'm pretty sure she's not going to. Um, if I don't get finished here soon, she may come in here and beat me to death and listen to the end of the podcast. Uh, so we better wrap it up. Um, Bill, it's going to be a fun season. I appreciate uh, everything you're doing. You got, uh, you're got you going to be talking to John Fay, I think, here next few days. Yep, next couple days. Uh, so that should be on you know within a few days. John's gonna we're gonna spend a little bit of time talking with John after he gets back to Cincinnati. See what his thoughts are about um, what he's seen out there in Goodyear and uh, what he expects out of the team. So uh, it's getting ready to getting ready to start. So um, you know it's gonna be fun. Yeah, get we're gonna crank her up. Yet another wild ride on the Cincinnati Reds roller coaster. Bill, appreciate you being with us today. Those of you out there, thank you for downloading us. You didn't have to spend this much time with us today, and I appreciate those of you that have downloaded the podcast and listened to us. Uh, you guys are what make uh, Red Leg Nation as special as uh, we feel like it is. Go to uh, redlegnation.com. Hit that uh, RN Radio tab at the top. You can subscribe via iTunes to the uh, podcast. Get every one of them downloaded automatically. Uh, also, you know, click on our uh, the Twitter and the Facebook icons there. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, the Twitter feed's been going crazy lately. A lot of good interaction with you guys through that. And uh, the Facebook page as well. The number of our, our fans on Facebook's are just growing exponentially. And we're having a lot of fun with that. Uh, because really, the you know, Red Leg Nation is a community of obsessed Reds fans. And those are different ways we can all sort of talk about our favorite club. Once again, appreciate all you guys. We'll be back again soon with another edition of the Red Leg Nation Radio Podcast. So long. So long.